Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in. Last night was President Biden's State of the Union address, which we know obviously was either a bomb or a success, depending on which side of the political aisle you're on. I didn't watch the State of the Union address, but I, I have some articles about it that we're going to be covering. Also, last night was Texas's uh, primaries. Spoiler alert, Don Huffins did not win the Republican nomination. Um, Greg Abbott took it away with like 67% of the vote or something. But I, I have two articles, and I think it'd be kind of interesting to follow these. One of which is CNN Politics' uh, top five takeaways from Biden's speech. The next one is Fox News' top five takeaways from Biden's speech. We're going to start with CNN here on the Conservative Crusader. And I'll play a clip uh, before we start the second half of the show, which is President Biden using the wrong name for the Ukrainian people. If you follow me on social media, you've already seen that. But if you haven't, it will be maybe your first time seeing it unless you watched the State of the Union last night. President Joe Biden took to his biggest stage of the year Tuesday amid the most consequential stretch of his presidency so far. Confronting a war in Europe at the same time he works to improve his political prospects, Biden sought to rally a divided and wary country behind a revamped domestic... Let's see here, I pop up, popped up, thanks, CNN. Biden thought to, fought, sought to rally a divided and weary country behind a revamped domestic agenda in his attempt to uh, isolate and punish Russian President Vladimir Putin. Yet the limits of Biden's approach were evident as he was speaking. A 40-mile-long Russian convoy was approaching Kiev, and the explosions were rocking major cities. And while he laid out a plan to combat higher prices at home, any president's ability to counteract inflation is narrow. The stark divisions currently fractured in the country were just as plain Tuesday as they have been since Biden took office. His economic proposals gained almost no applause from Republicans in the audience. So the five takeaways here. This is from this is an opinion analysis, I believe, just as Fox News will be. Biden's pro-democracy message was underscored by international uh, upheaval. Biden did not plan on delivering his first day of the Union as the European capital came under fire, but the moment thrust upon him by Russian invasion of Ukraine provided an urgent illustration of the animating theme of his presidency, um, that democracies must self-defend against creeping global authoritarianism. Now they're against globalism? In the, battle in the battle between democracy and autocracies, democracies are rising to the moment and the world is clearly choosing the side of peace and security. This is the real test, Biden said, concluding the first section of his speech that had been given over the Ukraine crisis. Something I noticed at the speech, just just a little bit I watched, because I, I watched the very ending of it, and then I watched the beginning of the Republican response, and then I went to sleep, basically. Is the amount of Ukrainian flags on our, on our, on our floor, on the House floor. I don't have a problem with Ukraine. But I believe there are more Ukrainian flags on the House floor than there were American flags. In an American State of the Union address. That is concerning. If that's if that's the our our congressional leadership, our presidents pledging their support for one nation over another, it should be the United States flag on the floor before the Ukrainian flag. But there were very many Ukrainian flags, little little I don't know, stick flags, I guess they're called. I really don't know the ones that are on a little piece of wood on the on the floor of the house more than there were 
actual American flags, pardon me. Biden sought to convey the unity of NATO and the West in his speech, underscoring what U.S. officials say have been unprecedented cooperation between allies to inflict economic pain on Putin. Here it is. In a rare sight, members of both parties repeatedly applauded Ukraine comments. Um, there were actually a lot of applause in that speech from what I've heard. Biden acknowledged inflation concerns while pushing economic agenda. Biden touted political wins against the head of the midterms. And messaging of COVID took a notable shift. And there's a quote that I, I, I wish I could find. I hope I can find it on his Twitter page really quick. Biden's Twitter page. Um, I kind of read the tweets because I have notifications turned on, on on Twitter. I didn't see anything exactly that I that really caught my eye besides this tweet. And I didn't have a chance to bookmark it. Let me see if I can find it. Some are talking about living with COVID-19. Tonight I say that we will never just accept living with COVID-19. We will continue to combat the virus as we do other diseases. But thanks to the progress we made this year, COVID-19 need no longer control our, control our lives. You, you <clears throat> Pardon me. I, I don't think he realizes what that means. We're not going to live with COVID. That's not, the, that's not what we want to do. We want to combat it. But because of how we combat it, we can live with it. That's what he said. It, it's 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 surprising to me that that that's that's what was said for the um that that's what was said by the president when it comes to COVID. But that that that's CNN's top five, right? That's their that's their top five takeaways from Biden's speech. Now Fox News, which is obviously more right wing paper or website or whatever whatever you want to call it. And I do want to point out something really quick before we move on is, is um, Biden talked about the the um, his son basically dying on a I'm sorry I'm trying to think because I didn't watch the speech dying on a battlefield and Lauren Bober interrupted him because saying. What about the 13 Afghanistan? Because his his son didn't die on a battle, battlefield, but he keeps using him as his political prop, and it's very sad. And so Biden delivered his first of the Union address before joining. Okay, we, we read all this basically on CNN. Takeaway number one: weakness is still the key world. Key word. In President Carter's address, he stated, "But now the Soviet Union has taken a radical and aggressive new step. It's using its great military power against a relatively defense, defenseless nation." The implications of the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan could pose the most serious threat to the peace since the Second World War. Um, Carter wasn't wrong in his description. Politicians and experts making similar claims about Russia's current invasion of Ukraine aren't wrong either. However, what can be ignored is the reason for the invasion of Afghanistan in 1979 and Ukraine in 2022. It all comes back to weakness in the Oval Office. Takeaway number two, the peace through strength doctrine works. Biden's refusal to get tough with China in the tradition of Trump's America First agenda, along with his incompetent and impeachable withdrawal from Afghanistan, had emboldened Russian Vladimir Putin. Dictators like Putin only understand strength, and with the absence of strength coming from the current American president, there's no deterrent to the thugs of the world who wish to do evil things. Moreover, we're also seeing that NATO and the United Nations are only as strong as whoever is sitting behind the resolute desk. A peace through strength foreign policy helped propel both Reagan and Donald Trump to the presidency and put our adversaries on notice. Biden and Carter's can be, uh, complete inability to project strength puts America at a severe disadvantage. 
pivoting to foreign policy won't work. And this speech is comparing it, or this article is, is comparing Biden's speech a lot to President Carter. And we've talked a lot on this show how Biden is basically President Carter um, with approval ratings, with actual success. Biden is pretty, is pretty similar to Carter. When Jimmy Carter was about to leave office in 1980, his approval rating stood at 34%, and his presidency was viewed by many as a dismiss, uh, dism- dismal failure. Similarly, the first year of the Biden presidency was a failure across the board. President Biden's irresponsible, ir- irresponsible and radical leftist policies created a border crisis, a crime crisis, cr- crisis, an inflation crisis, and an Afghanistan crisis. That's why his approval rating is clocking in at a dangerously low 37%. I don't see a pathway where Democrats win the midterms, by the way. Just pointing that out there, unless, well, the Ohio Redistricting Committee is is meeting today, probably going to get struck down by the courts again. Um, look no further than the fact that Biden is pulling underwater on foreign policy with 38% uh, appro- uh, approving and 58% disapproving. Um, Trump was right on energy policy and Biden was wrong. And under Biden, America is not strong. I, I agree with the uh, Republican article or the Fox News article by, um, there's not a name on here, of course. Let me see if I, let me see if I can find it. Uh, David Bossy. He is an opinion author with Fox News, president of Citizens United, the 2016 deputy campaign for uh, director for Donald Trump, and the former chief investigator for the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight Reform and Oversight during the Clinton administration. So, so obviously he, he's biased, but so is the CNN article. CNN is a left-wing paper. A left-wing source. We're going to go to the break a little bit early today because I want to come back and talk a little bit more about the State of the Union Address, playing a clip, which is very interesting, a a big gaffe, kind of a hard mistake to make a gaffe that Biden did at the State of the Union. Then we're going to be talking about the primary elections in Texas, and then the show will probably end a little bit early because I wasn't even planning on doing a show today. My name is Joe P. Josh. We'll be right back after this. circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. He'll never, he'll never, he'll never extinguish their love of freedom, and he will never, never weaken the resolve of the free world. That was a clip from the State of the Union address where, if you could see the video version, which you can, on GOP Josh 20 on Instagram and Twitter, Kamala Harris is seen mouthing the word Ukrainian. And, and that's just one of the many flunders from Biden where he, he, he's restarted mid-sentence. He's, he was wrong in everything that he said, from what I've heard, of course, from what I've read. And it's sad that that's the president of the United States basically failing at his job as commander-in-chief. The State of the Union address is not a good state. We're not in a good state right now. And I 
I hope that we can take back the House and the Senate to stop some of this radicalism, stop some of this insane spending, and save our nation once again. One more thing I want to talk about today before we go um, in, in the show a little bit early. Trump endorsed candidates won a lot in the Texas primary. Every Trump endorsed candidate in Republicans um, primary either won or is going to the runoff with a advantage. Um, the 45th president gave his approval uh, to 33 candidates. Um, let's see here. All 33 candidates uh, endorsed or won their primary election or are substantially or substantially leading in the case of a runoff. Uh, Governor Abbott and Dan pra- uh, Patrick have won in a landslide. Um, Trump's endorsement secured the nomination of incumbent Governor Greg Abbott, who is facing Don Huffins and Alan West. Top recruits of the nomination without a runoff, Monica De La Cruz and Wesley Hunt are both at 56%, with well over half of the votes counted. They are two House Republicans who are not going to go to a runoff. The Texas are the first regu- regularly scheduled primary elections, and President Trump won big. The only election that I think is actually going to run off the only major election is Ken Paxton, who is the Attorney General of the state, is facing up against a Bush, George P. Bush. George the P should stand for pro-Trump Bush because he's a very pro-Trump Bush, supposedly. The two-term incumbent uh, beset by a criminal indictment and FBI probe will face Bush, the state's land commissioner and scion of a political dynasty, in the May 24th runoff. Despite an endorsement from former President Donald Trump, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton failed to garner enough Republican support in Tuesday's GOP primary to avoid a runoff. The article moved. I, I cannot stand on webpage. It just move on their own. Uh, the embattled incumbent, and of course now it doesn't. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, under indictment since 2015 and facing an FBI probe on how he runs his office, will face Land Commissioner George P. Bush, a sign of a political di- dynasty, in a May 24th runoff. Paxton, the two-term incumbent, boasted the largest campaign war chest, but in a field of four candidates, he was unable to secure more than 50% of the vote, setting him up on the defensive, set him up on defense in the biggest fight of his political life. Former Texas Supreme Court Justice Eva Guzman and Bush were neck and neck throughout Tuesday evening, but Bush was able to pull ahead as Election Day results were tallied. U.S. Representative Louis Gohmert of Tyler trailed them for much of the night. Neither Guzman nor Gohmert had concluded late Tuesday night. With legal clouds hanging in his candidacy, Paxton is a prime target for Democrats in this general election. His intra-party challengers have said if Paxton wins, the Republicans would essentially hand the general election to the Democrats. Bush hammered that point after news outlets determined he would be Paxton's challenger in a runoff. I don't know enough in this race to to give my support. But I do know that if if the accusations against Ken Paxton are true, he should not be the nominee for the Republican Party. I guess I I hope George Bush is not like his his predecessor Bushes. He he does claim to be more pro-Trump than the other George Bushes. I'm looking up to see if I can find anything about him. But I don't think that he is he's the best either. I don't really know who he who Huffins is supporting. George P for Texas.com, which isn't even letting me go to the website. We'll make our way around that. It's a secure website. I don't know why they wouldn't let me do it, but anyways. 
he is a he he's pro securing borders, government accountability, fighting for survivors of human trafficking, defending law enforcement. He claims to be more pro-Trump, so so maybe he'll win. I really don't know. Ken Paxton, if he is in the whole Abbott sphere, maybe he shouldn't win. My name is UP Josh. This is a very short episode, but an episode nonetheless of the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow with a hopefully full episode coming at you tomorrow wherever you get your podcast. My name is UP Josh. Stay tuned. Stay tuned.